With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma. And we're here to celebrate the champion Cubs. For the second time in recent memory, the Cubs are champions of the league. That is a true (laughs) statement. You cannot find any lies, no lies told. That's, yes. Of course, I refer to the South Bend Cubs and the Midwest League, uh, but this is their second championship of uh, in that league in the last few years. Uh, the South Bend Cubs being the Cubs' high-A affiliate, they, they just won their championship last night. And I did want to start with that. I mean, it's a, I make the joke about it, but the reason I want to start with it is, you know, we can mention some of the prospects, but speaking more generally, you know, Wins and losses at the minor league level, we've talked about this before, are not necessarily a great indicator of prospect talent for future big league use. Uh, And furthermore, playoff wins, when you're talking about series that are only three games um, and there's generally only two levels uh, of the playoffs. So, you know, the South Bend Cubs won two short series to take their championship. You know, how much does that actually prove or demonstrate or whatever for the future? But I want to sit on that just a moment to note that I do think there is some value. I think it is particularly true where you've got a group of players with the South Bend team, many of whom started the year at Myrtle Beach in Low A, uh, part of a really dominant team there, uh, got promoted, coalesced around a group that had started at South Bend. That team got really, really good in the second half and then, you know, went through the playoffs and won. And I'm watching videos from them last night and just seeing how excited they are as the game's going on, how pumped, how much they clearly wanted to win this championship. And I think there's probably some marginal value there of of experiencing that as part of your development process, experiencing the winning, experiencing playoff baseball, experiencing it together with perhaps some players that you will continue to play with up the ladder. Um, I, I think... You know, I don't want to. I don't want to go overboard on it, but I think there's some real value there. Yeah, no, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think uh, sometimes player development becomes too individualized and too focused on one specific player that the team aspect gets overlooked. And while it's very possible to have a solid system and not have a bunch of great uh, minor league teams, 
uh, as far as one loss record, it, I, I think it, it's just a good indicator of the depth and the talent that's in this system right now, especially at the lower levels there, double uh, A and below even. Uh, there's, you know, I, I, there's value in these guys winning together and understanding what it takes to win and having that mentality of wanting to win and and really enjoying it and savoring it and having a little bit of edge when they're on the field and uh, beating up on the opposition. I think all those are little little factors. Not the you want talent and you want uh, skills that you really know how to develop and uh, can develop to bring up to the major leagues. But these these little things like that these. That while winning isn't doesn't seem like it's always a priority in the minors, I think there's a ton of value in that. One thing that I, I'm working on a piece, I, I, I it, it kind of struck me over the past couple of days, looking at these box scores, looking at these lineups, looking at the numbers on fan graphs. They have so many guys who we don't consider top prospects having really good seasons offensively. We talk about the pitching depth. Uh, but there's there's a couple guys on this South Bend team that stick out to me. Uh, B.J. Murray, Jordan Wogu. And Wogu was like a second or third round draft pick in third, the 20, yeah, 2020 draft. Third, third round pick in the pandemic draft. Right. And he looked like he just wasn't he, he was a mess. Right. He looked like he was a mess. He was going to strike out too much and didn't really have a carrying skill. Even though I talked to some scouts outside the org who always liked him and thought he would hit. Uh, something there clicked uh, because he's he's hitting now. And uh, I mean, they have a couple of these guys that if you just like compare 2019 or 2018 and look at everyone in the minors in the Cubs system that has like a 120 weighted runs created plus and above. And I, I was looking like 2019, there were 14 guys. And I think like 11 of them were like a rookie league or or a short season ball. Or- Robel Garcia. Yeah, yeah. Or Robel Garcia. Exactly. Stuff that guys that like too old for AAA guy that should get a cup of coffee has earned his cup of coffee in the big leagues or or guys that are dominating the uh, rookie league or uh, the non full season leagues. Right. That which there's only one of now, uh, you know, one in Florida and one in Arizona. Uh this year, there's about I, I can't remember the number now, but it's around 14 and like nine or 10 of them are all full season leagues uh, guys. And half of those guys are guys that, you know, aren't superstars, but they are, you know, like guys that it's like, OK, I need to start asking about this guy. I need to ask around about this guy. Well, this isn't Kevin Alcantara or Owen Casey or or Pete Crow Armstrong, guys that we know to talk about, that we know to ask uh, scouts about. But, you know, B.J. Murray, uh, Jordan and Wogu, uh, Jonathan Perlaza. I mean, these are all guys that you start to wonder, like, OK, they had one success story over the past like decade in David Bodie, right? And, and I know fans get frustrated by David Bodie, but if you have six of those guys popping every season, you know, uh, if you have random guys popping, maybe one of them turns into uh, like an all-star. Maybe one of them just turns into an everyday player. Maybe one of them turns into a bench guy. Uh, like any of that, obviously the all-star and the everyday guy are valuable, but even the bench guy, if you're producing those guys through your system, uh, that's that's huge. I think that's a it's a nice little uh, part of the system that we need to keep watching and keep tabs on over the next couple of years, because if they can if they can produce quality players like that, 
Uh, we've talked about, okay, do they have that impact superstar? I'm not sure if they do. I, I think there's some really talented players in the system, but uh, just the fact that they're able to maybe build this depth up too, uh, I find that really interesting. And I'm curious what all these players are and maybe what's going on in the Cubs system as far as development goes. Like, do they have, they, they seem to have the right people in place as far as coaching and instruction goes. And that's, that's a good sign as well. Yeah. I was thinking about it in terms of, you know, if we took the South Bend Cubs in particular and you look up and down the roster and, you know, time was the reason the reason you can't always look at wins and losses at the minor league level as an indicator of prospect talent is because there are age disparities. You know, sometimes you might have significantly older prospects playing against significantly younger prospects on other teams. Uh, you might have sort of I, I can't ever think of the right way to say this in a non deprecating way, but you might have organization guys who are a lot older and experienced veterans that can perform very well at a certain level, but everybody kind of knows they're either being cultivated as a future coach or they don't really have a long-term future. They're, they're never going to make the big leagues, even in a, a fringe capacity, etc. But you go over this South Bend roster and I swear to you, man, it is virtually top to bottom. Even guys that are getting squeezed out of playing time sometimes, it, it's they may not be impact prospects, but they're guys that you're like, you know, that's possible. I could see it. This performance at this age, at this level, is is impressive, and I think uh, it's on the pitching side too. I mean that the that that rotation and that bullpen are just full of guys that you're like, oh yeah, maybe, and uh, that hasn't been the case. I mean, I'm a I'm a prospecting nerd, and so I follow these teams pretty closely. And you know, typically it's you've got three or four guys on a team to discuss and be like, yeah, that's a possible future big leaguer. It's like the whole roster yeah. right now for, for some of these. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, I had Nwogu and most of that 2020 draft written off. Uh, I, I was done and I was like, all right, time to move on and, and pay attention to other prospects. But over the last, I don't know, two months, month and a half, I don't know what it is, but it's not just like, oh, he's been okay. Like he's turned into, it's like his and his season line now is good. It's not just like a couple months uh, that like, okay, we can we should keep track of this because he got hot at the end of the season. It's like if you look at I mean, if you look at his overall season numbers, they're like, huh, that's really interesting. What what's going on here? And I'm good. That's like I have a phone call set up for tonight. And that's one of the main guys I want to ask about and figure out what's going on there. And when when there are rail changes being made and stuff like that, that makes it all the more interesting, right? Like, so let's find out what's going on here. What sort of adjustments do they make? The, the Cubs have been really good about also like take, you'll notice there, there are times when guys don't play for like a week or two weeks or uh, even five days or something, right? Like I've just, had to adjust. I've had to adjust. Yeah. And you're like, is that guy injured? It's like, no, they they sometimes they get put on the developmental list. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they just take them and they just go work with them. And they they're finding very specific things that they work on. It happened to Triantos twice over the course of the season. And both times he came back and he was hot. And it's like, wow. OK, it's it's one thing to I mean, it, my favorite one is Owen Casey. Go look at like there's a big gap at the end you can of see April. when they set him down. Yep. Yeah. And then since then, it's like his overall numbers didn't fully recover from the awful April uh, because April was so bad because he's been a star since then. I mean, the overall numbers are still good, but they don't they don't 
like pop out to you, but he's been amazing since that like April. That was like a negative something weighted runs created. Plus, it, it was like one of the worst in terms of production, worst bats in the minor leagues. Now it was a very yeah. aggressive assignment, right? Cold weather, all of that kind of stuff, and you just you know whatever. It's easy to 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 throw away, but but yeah. Sahadik's point is it was the depths to which it was made it in pretty hard to recover the season long numbers but you know if there were real changes that manifested in the results he got after that which are fantastic especially for his age at that level that's when you do start to yeah get really excited about a a, a season's worth of development even if the slash line at the end of the year doesn't look great looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service anytime sounds like a real game changer if you ask us make the right call and get the service you deserve with discover limitations apply see terms at discover.com slash credit card and now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Of note, that South Bend team also features another of the 2020 draft picks. Uh, I mean, Ed Howard, of course, famously is the first round pick from that draft. And he's been out after the hip injury earlier this year at South Bend. But uh, Luke Little, the fourth rounder, the the giant uh, who the Cubs have been developing very slowly, very methodically, uh, limited dose outings. And I think his if you watch him, his delivery and his body and his style it's it's going to scream reliever to you and and that's fine they've been pitching him in sort of three inning doses and he's been one of the most successful pitchers in the system this year so it's cool to see him also uh you know reach south bend you think about matt mervis as an undrafted signing that year ben leaper that might end up turning into a decently productive group for the cubs even though it was a shortened draft and uh, Ed Howard is now a big question mark because of the injury and Burl Caraway obviously has had his significant struggles. It's pretty hard to have a productive draft when your first yeah. two picks maybe turn into nothing for you. And, but that's what we're talking about. It's like, that's what the Cubs need to be able to do. And they didn't for a very long time. That's why David Bodie stands out to us because it was like, hey, there's a late round pick that you know was not expected and then turned into a contributor. Um, so I, I also mentioned... Maybe I'll ham fist a segue here. So speaking of Luke Little getting three inning burst outings uh, and having a lot of success with that, uh, we had last night at the big league level, finally the return of Keegan Thompson, who uh, sat down for about a month with a lower back issue that I have no doubt was legitimate in the sense that like all of us often have some back tightness that it's like, ah, I just can't be at my best right now because I'm not feeling great. Um, but it also just made sense to give him a nice big break in a year where he has pitched more than he ever has before and uh, had, had already established a lot of what he could be for the Cubs going forward, which was the, the whole point of this year. And so it was nevertheless nice to see him back and he looked as good as he's looked all year. I mean, he was his uh, velocity was great. 
The movement on his uh, off-speed and breaking pitches were fantastic. The Marlins, it's not a world-beating lineup, but they just looked hopeless against him. He struck out six of the 11 batters he faced. Um, I mean, it was just just dominant. He just looked absolutely dominant. And it, it made me go back to review his splits this year um, as a reliever and as a starter. And we know that the starting stats are tainted would be the wrong word because that implies that it's like there's no signal there, but they are uh, moved considerably by some like really substantial blow up starts there at the end before the back issue took him out. Um, but the splits are stark. I mean, his, his numbers as a reliever, keeping in mind, these are as, these are multi-ending relief appearances. Uh, his numbers are ridiculous. I mean, it's like a barely above one ERA strikeout rates near 30 walk rates, much lower than as a starter. The soft contact rate is like 35%, some ridiculous number. Um, and then as a starter, it, it uh, it's like they're barely playable numbers. Now we know that we watched him and we know he had very successful starts. So it's, you know, but, but the question I have when I see him come back and I see him once again, we get that short burst, 50 pitches, roughly one time through the order and you see how good he can be. Um, and then you think to the times we've seen him start going back to last year, where it seems like figuring out how to appropriately conserve stuff to try to get through six plus innings and still miss bats and still get soft contact has seemed like a particular challenge for him. That is not to say he can't take another step forward next year and develop into that, but it's like, at what point do you decide, you know what, you're so good at this uniquely valuable role. We want to try to figure out how to optimize how we can use you in that role because you can't just have, like it's a three inning reliever or whatever in your bullpen, it's good to have, but like you have to know when you're gonna be able to deploy that guy. You have to be a little more systematized about it in order to get maximum value. And so I just, it made me wonder, like at what point do you make a decision like, no, we're, we're really gonna to try to put, put the foot down on you being a multi-inning relief weapon for us. And basically same question on Albert Alzali, who also he's been in two inning doses since he returned and he's looked fantastic. Right. right. And um, it's made me think of a few things, right? I've been thinking about this, watching them the last few days that they've been up that, well, Keegan was just back yesterday, but just how does, how does it work when you have these multi-inning weapons over the course of a full season? Uh, Ross kind of said, you know, Keegan's vet, like what's the value there when, when they were discussing the starting pitcher versus relief pitcher earlier in the season, he's like, do I want someone who I can use every four days for three, four inning bursts or someone who pit starts every fifth day? Right. And maybe gives me six if, if things go well. Right. Uh, well, what's more valuable? And I think that kind of told us, okay, so that's his thinking every fourth day he can go to Keegan and give him three inning bursts. But now I start to wonder, well, what if it's a three inning burst? He gets those four days rest and he can go an inning day off inning, uh, then two days off and then give you two and a third and then go a couple days off, right? Like what, what is the mix? It doesn't have to be three inning bursts every single time, right? Especially because you can't count on, oh, it just happens that in four days from now, we needed three innings. Right. So there's so many things that uh, I think are valuable here. First of all, you don't have to go into next season and say, let's force him into this starters role because we need starters, right? You want what we've been talking about for a while now, go out and get 
starting pitchers, right? So that uh, Keegan Thompson is depth, so that uh, even Hayden Wisniewski, Javier Assad, uh, even Alzali, these guys are all depth pieces uh, to the rotation, not guys that they're relying on absolutely. We need these guys to perform for 30-plus starts, otherwise we can't win. Uh, and and you go into the season with, with a rotation that is mostly veterans. You go into the season with an upgraded offense, uh, in theory, right? What's the worst thing that happens then? If everything improves with the starting rotation and, and the offense, that the bullpen becomes this Achilles heel where they don't hit on those veterans, right? Where That they've hit on uh, the last couple of years. And suddenly you're like, oh, what is the most demoralizing thing for a team that's playing well in all other facets whenever their bullpen blows it, right? That's really hard to stomach for a team, for a manager. As a whole, it, it just really can sink a season. If they have, right now, looking at next year, they have three guys locked in that I feel good about. If if it works out this way, where Keegan, Alzali, and Brandon Hughes are all relievers that you're like, huh, that those guys are good to great in in relief roles, right? If you have three already set, and the Cubs are pretty good at getting veterans in, then you have a couple up and down guys that that you hope can pop next year. Maybe one or two of them pop. That's a nice setup to have to kind of alleviate any concerns that well, we're spending money on the starters and the and the offense. Are we going to get sunk by our bullpen? It's still possible. I'm not saying that they won't get sunk by their bullpen if everything else improves next year, but saying I I really like how it looks with Alzali and Thompson in the bullpen if you can go out and fill the rotation with other guys because suddenly you're talking about a really good group of relievers, uh, a young group, and, and we haven't even talked about the guys that you know showed flashes this year. Uh, that that haven't really established themselves in our eyes, at least of like, yep, you can count on that guy to to give you a full season of quality relief innings. You know, it's important to mention too in this talk about guys who are, um, you know, have been starters throughout their minor league career. They get up approaching or just into that big league level, and they are faced with this issue you know it's it's different for every pitcher but it you know usually comes down to you know how well do they hold their stuff and their mechanics through 70 plus pitches um how diverse are their pitches or their ways to shape their pitches so that they can you know face batters multiple times um how consistent are they from start to start etc etc they're sort of the separators for guys who've been able to start all the way through the minors very effectively and then you're just facing superior hitters in the big leagues and um, I think we, I don't, I wouldn't say we forget sometimes, but we have to be reminded that a lot of the best relievers in the big leagues were starters the whole way through the minors. And it was just eventually realizing, you know, it's not going to happen in the big leagues, but let's see what we can do with you in shorter doses. And then boom, you're a fantastic reliever. That's not a bad outcome that isn't like i mean i get that you know a guy like keegan thompson for example he wants to start in the big leagues he's been a starter his whole life he's he's so close to being very good at it in the big leagues like i get it i would want that too um but we can't look at it as this like uh failure or disappointing outcome because the the related reality is you know you look through a farm system the cubs have a ton of these guys that are coming up as relievers 
Well, they look great, but they're not competing with the current starting pitchers in the minor leagues who may end up future relievers. So, I mean, you've got to be really damn good as a relief-only prospect to actually make it to the big leagues and compete. And so I, sometimes I think we fans convince ourselves like, man, they're just so loaded with relief prospects. The bullpen's going to be great and fine. But you also, I think the best organizations have a lot of, quote, failed starters that end up ticking over into the bullpen. And that's where you end up getting a lot of your good relievers from. And so that's a roundabout way of saying, I'm like you too, that when I think about the bullpen for next year, it's having depth starters like Keegan Thompson or Albert Alzali, or maybe even Javier Assad that like may get forced into the bullpen that makes you confident about having good pitchers in the bullpen. Um, just because they're not quote relievers doesn't mean they wouldn't actually be better than some of the quote relievers that you have available. And again, I think these are like not new topics in the baseball world, but for a lot of Cubs fans, these are new things to be thinking about in the coordination of starters and relievers. Cause they're just, when in the last decade have we had the opportunity to talk about so many emerging starters and so many emerging relievers that you've got to even think about what's the best role and how many days of rest and which veterans to pursue in free agency because you know you want to coordinate with your internal guys um right so i just mentioned a bunch of potential like starters right and you know who i didn't mention i didn't mention caleb killian who what three months ago was the talk of the system as far as pitching goes uh like you said a few years ago if if that had happened, we'd be we'd still be talking about it like oh, the Cubs finally had a pitching prospect and now all of a sudden he can't find the strike zone and it'd be a disaster, right? Now it's just like, okay, that's not great. You'd you'd prefer that he continue to dominate. Uh, you know, he got sent back down and dominate triple A. Well, uh, but it's not the end of the world because there's Wisniewski, there's Assad. There's, uh, I mean, Keegan and Steele and Alzali up in the big leagues. There's Ben Brown and Jordan Wicks and DJ Hers at Double A, and there's Porter Hodge and Daniel Palencia and and Luis Devers in in Single A. Like that's insane. That's not how it was three years ago, even. <laughs> uh, so it's completely changed, and and it's it's a good thing. It's you don't want Caleb Killian to struggle, but you also, it's not the end of the world. It's not a disaster scenario where everyone was leaning on, you know, relying on this kid to, to be the next great starter. Uh, and, and it's, it's, it's not a good outcome, but it's not, it's, it's not like they can't recover. Uh, they already have. I mean, we've seen what Wisniewski's done in in a short burst. Not not giving him, uh, you know, handing him a rotation spot or saying he's the next great starter or anything like that. I'm just saying, like, that's what it means to have a deep system. Cubs fans need to get used to this, and they need to understand that. Uh, I mean, the game's also different, right? Uh, when when you talk about Keegan Thompson not not turning into a starter, or maybe not turning into a starter. That's okay. That's it. That outcome is actually really valuable now. That that multi inning guy. The other thing is, if if they go into the season next year and they have five starters that you really that they like more than Keegan Thompson and and Wisniewski and all those guys, that doesn't mean that by July and August Wisniewski and or Keegan aren't starting every fifth day. Uh, hopefully, that means that they've pushed their way into that role rather than there's been a bunch of injuries and the Cubs have fallen out of contention, right? I don't think fans want that, but 
whatever this scenario is, just if they if they start the season in the bullpen or in AAA, I'm talking about Wisniewski in that case, uh, that doesn't mean it's over uh, for Thompson to be a starter, uh, especially Thompson. Maybe Alzali, maybe that – I don't know if that ship has sailed fully, but I think it. You know, with the, all the setbacks he's had in his career – Right now, I think you focus on on relief uh, with Keegan. I think it's just there's still time to develop. There's still time to figure it out as far as, uh, you know, what his long term role is. And he can he can earn his way back into the rotation. Uh, I just think going into next season with him penciled into the rotation would be a failure of an offseason. Yeah, I think um, it's better to have the problem of good players being forced out of uh maximum usage rather than maybe good players being forced into maximum usage because you just you don't have enough and um i think you know we see this every year that if you go back and look at the average teams numbers by the end of the season the 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 number of pitchers who made at least five starts for a team it's never five it's never five pitchers it's like seven eight nine every time every team those those starts will become available and um the the two ways you cover that are to have relievers who can step in and give you a spot start if necessary cool check seems like cubs might have a lot of those guys and having big league caliber optionable starters at triple a and boom check yes seems like the cubs will have those and um I, I just think it's maybe we'll like wind down the conversation here because it harkens to an off season where we've said this a whole bunch the cubs have no limitations you know having all of these guys having depth on the positional side too like it, it it's more reason to add impact in free agency and in trade because then you've got the depth part covered you've got the oh shit stuff happens in june and july you've got that part and what you don't have are the impact guys at the top, whether it's the front of the rotation or whether it's in the middle of the order. Um, you know, good teams, they have more players than they can use. And that's that's what the goal should be these, this offseason because when we talk through the at the granular level, like what's going to happen with Keegan Thompson or what's going to happen with Adam Dalsley, we always keep coming back to, well, you know, the their options situation and their role situation create the flexibility that allow you to do anything in the off season, whatever the best impact comes from where you can do it because these guys exist. And so um, I, I just think that's, that makes what's potentially going to happen this off season, all the more exciting because it's um, you know, the Cubs have opportunities that they haven't had before, or, or at least options that they haven't had before. And then opportunity to add impact at the right time with plenty of money available uh, you know, it's been a while since they've been in this spot. Uh, all right, that's all I got. You got anything you want to you want to throw on there? No, no. Nope. Um, all right. Well, good chat. This is uh, onto Waveland. It's Cubs podcast here at the Athletic. I'm Brett Taylor. Get my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That's Sahadev Sharma. Get his at the Athletic. He and Mooney just put out uh, a great mailbag. If you want to read their thoughts on some of the things that you're maybe shouting at your speaker right now, you're like, I want to ask you this. Well. Someone may have asked it in that mailbag, so check it out. And we will be back at you after the weekend. Cubs, Pirates, uh, Pirates coming fresh off of a whole lot of you know history and excitement in New York. 
So, boy, the, the Cubs can just take advantage of that uh, energy letdown and, you know, keep keep their hot streak going. They can't lose, what did I see? They cannot lose 100 games now. Yes. Yeah, maybe we already talked about that on, on no. Monday. Maybe I was already excited about that on Monday. <laughs> um, I think I was, actually. So, it's still true, though. Still can't lose 100. Um, and we'll talk to you after the weekend, folks. Uh, have a good one.